0: Welcome to the ISTC monthly podcast where you can hear all about what's going on at the ISTC and in technical communications, both in the UK and globally. The ISTC is the Institute for Scientific and Technical Communicators, and our members work to make scientific and technical information more accessible. I'm Amanda Maher, your host, and I joined the ISTC in 2014 and now work as a freelance technical author. Each month, I plan to bring you interviews with people working in technical communication across a diverse range of industries, as well as all the latest news from our profession. As it is January, I want to kick off our inaugural podcast by looking forward to the year ahead and the events, conferences, meetings and online content that we can connect with in 2021. And to help me with this, I am really pleased to have CJ Walker with us today. CJ is the director of Firehead Digital Communications based in Grenoble in France, where she provides consultancy, training, and recruitment services to businesses. She has worked around the world as a technical author and editor in companies including Microsoft and Nokia. Over the years, she's been an active member of numerous boards and committees in the techcom sector. She's currently on the Information 4.0 Consortium, and the international representative on the ISTC Council. Welcome to the ISTC podcast, CJ.
1: Thank you very much, Amanda. It's an honor to be here as your first interviewee, too.
0: (laughs) Great. Now, you are the ISTC woman in charge of international affairs. This sounds very exciting and a little mysterious, a bit like the (laughs) 007 of tech comms. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do in that role?
1: Oh, yes, I can. Basically, I see my mission as trying to create a bridge between um, English language tech comms coming from the UK and Ireland in Europe and the rest of the world. Because even though continental Europe, for example, doesn't have English as their language, a lot of the big uh, national corporations have uh, English as their business language because if they're working internationally. That That's the way things work out. So oftentimes they need to do their documentation and their training as well in English and then have it translated into their native language. If they're having it translated into other languages, too, it's a, it's a cost savings. I am trying to get people in continental Europe interested in joining the ISTC because that's where the English language base is. Ah, right. And it is a support for them because they don't work in English. They only write in English. Yes, Uh, there are lots of small organizations in different countries that are for that country and their language, but where I see the ISTC being a benefit is that um, it's not about it being in the UK, it's about it being in English. When someone is working in a big international conglomerate, the business language is likely to be English. Uh, that doesn't mean that they work in English. Uh, if they're in France, they're doing all of their communication with their colleagues verbally and around the coffee counter in French, for example. Uh, but a lot of the jobs are for writing in English. Mm-hmm. And the reason is that is international because it's uh, lo- less expensive to take um English and have it translated into other languages than, say, if a French company publishes in French, but they work in Poland and Germany, uh, most likely they would have to take things and have them translated into English so that they could get them into German and Polish.
0: Oh, really? So it's, yeah, so it's cost effective to have it in English and then translate out yeah. to other languages.
1: Oh. And I think that that's a great service that the ISTC can provide that, you know, there are other organizations that support our profession in different countries in Europe that I know of. And that's great. They need that help. But where the ISTC comes in is that things are in English. And what other organizations are there in Europe? TCOM does some things in English, but it's basically a German-based association with um, a lot of the materials are in German first. And uh, it's a great resource.
0: So TCOM, is that an organization like the ISTC?
1: TCOM is a very different model. They're very important in Europe, and they've reached out to a lot of the other European countries uh, uh-huh. in English and India and China. Uh-huh. Uh, they are a for-profit model. Yeah. Um, the ISTC is a volunteer organization, so the structures are completely different, and their goals are different. TC World is their conference. The equivalent of TC UK being the ISTC's conference. Gotcha. It took me a while to learn all that, all these letters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, you get a bit tongue tied. <laughs> Too many acronyms.
1: Uh, TCOM is very professional and they do a lot with standards in the industry that I think are really important. They get a lot of industry at their conference. It's kind of like a, um, a roadshow, yeah. a different thing. And it about, it's about half in English and the rest is in German. Oh. And uh, Germany is very heavy in manufacturing. And Germany are the, the ones who started Industry 4.0 to look at how automation is going to affect the labor market. Mm. And Information 4.0 is a subset of Industry 4.0. So a lot of important things come out of Germany. Yeah. And TCOM is very important. Yeah. A different thing.
0: A completely different type of conference to the one that we have
1: uh, in the U.K., It's kind of like uh, going home to a family reunion when you go to TC UK. It's it's friendly. Everyone's there because they're a volunteer. And TC World is different. It's just so big. (laughs) It's not an intimate uh, meet-with-your-friends experience. It's enormous. It's like a trade fair. Yes. You can get a lot of good information from that, too. So I'm glad that we've got both. And
0: so we've kind of veered off talking about conferences already, <laughs> which is fine. So there are conferences that are just organized by business just to promote their product. Have you ever been to any ones like that, you know, like Madcap, World.
1: I would love to go to Madcap. It's in San Diego, California, and yeah. I, um, <laughs> I haven't been able to travel that far. Um, someday I will.
0: They've done some in Europe, haven't they? Was it last year or the year before? They did one in Ireland and, and one in the Czech Republic. Have you been to anything like that? Well, my,
1: my company, Firehead, is a partner with Adobe, for example. in I think it was 2018, we did a road show with Adobe promoting the product and meeting people. And I, yeah, that was nice. It's a different feeling when you're talking about how to use the product better because you need that as a technical author. But instead of talking about the whole profession, you're talking about uh, one way to do it. Yeah, one tool. It's a deep dive, which is helpful too.
0: Yeah. So if you're only using that product, these conferences are useful to go to, as you say, to get really into the product and learn lots of uh, techniques.
1: Instead of um, discussions about different elements of the profession, which is wide and large, you're taking a deep and narrow dive into something very specific. Obviously,
0: last year in 2020, uh, the majority of conferences and events were either cancelled or transferred online. Did you attend any of these or were you involved in organizing anything like this?
1: I attended some, yes, all online. Basically, I took a year off from any kind of conference planning during 2020 because at my level, it's volunteer. And I just, it wasn't a very good time to be a conference planner. And so the people who had their conferences who decided to keep going changed to virtual. I'm very impressed with them because, I mean, e-learning is not the same thing. Virtual is not the same thing. And they had to be very, very quick on their feet. And because we're all on a steep learning curve about it, no one saw this coming and had planned for it, there were varying degrees of quality and success. But I I think the attendees even were of, um, we say in French, in good faith, People wanted to be there and they wanted the conference to succeed. I didn't have any experiences that were miserable flops. Yeah. Uh, they were more technical <laughs> issues. Yeah. And uh, we're a pretty technical crowd. We're working on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some conference I've been to, I, I felt that the content was reduced
1: Oh um, really?
0: Well, yeah. Is that is that um where normally you would be able to do multiple streams, or you could do different things because you would have a big conference area, and they just simplified, and that meant that the breadth of things that you could look at and uh, and get involved in and talk about was reduced.
1: I can see what you're saying, and yeah, unfortunately, I think that was a necessity in the beginning. I, I see a movement towards uh, creating more breakout rooms and. We're learning as we go.
0: Yeah, exactly. Staging a big conference is actually quite a cost. Do you think the, a lot of conferences will move to online? Do you think online content will be a much bigger thing?
1: Back to this learning-as-we-go thing, I think that there will be places where we think, aha, we couldn't do that before, or we can reach places we couldn't go before, but uh, people are longing to see each other. Yeah. And one nice thing about conferences that can't be replaced is that networking. So I suspect there'll be either a hybrid approach, and I don't know what that is exactly, or conferences will come back when they can because people want to but some of the things that we've learned will still be applied about online ways of reaching out to people at least I hope I mean I'm just this little old lady in the French Alps I can never get to anything (laughs) nice to be included too you know
0: (laughs) I can find out what's happening in the world yay
1: it's been interesting to watch like with education here in france this is my or my more specific example to give but a lot of friends who are professors and one day they closed everything and put us in lockdown like mm-hmm. the rest of the world so the university said you got to keep going with your classes you got to put them online yeah and what happened that i thought was really funny was that a lot of the students they're digital natives of course and they all knew discord From gaming. (laughs) Yeah. So these professors are learning from their students about um, how to get on Discord to give their lessons. So all the professors moved to the gaming area. Yeah. And it wasn't built for that purpose, but it ended up being better suited for a lot of them than learning about Zoom. Yeah. (laughs) That's fascinating. In the meantime, the the university's negotiating and they finally get a, a Zoom account. So they're like, okay, you have to use Zoom now. (laughs) <laughs> everybody's got to learn all over again <laughs> But they had know, something that was we're really good on discord we understand how
0: this works we're fine <laughs> uh, the cognitive
1: load of 2020 that i think is making everybody tired
0: yes yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so one of the good things about going to a conference for uh, a technical communicator is is what what is the good thing about going to a conference
1: first of all we tend to be pretty introverted uh, in general And I think that tech comm conferences are kinder, softer, gentler conferences usually, where you can get some networking done. And a lot of us work in a fair amount of isolation already. And that contact is valuable.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of technical authors work as the sole author in a company. Yeah, They don't work in big departments with lots of people. And it's really good to be able to talk to other people who are doing the same role as you are and um, and just find out how, you know, what they do, how they do
1: what they do. Exactly. You're not a voice in the wilderness, I guess, anymore. Yeah. Uh, you can get a hand on uh, what trends are happening in the field that you might not be looking at if you're uh, working all alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is and helpful because changing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly, because it's always changing. Because I've only ever attended TCUK, I found that it was the uh, chatting to the people that you ended up sitting next to at a presentation or, you know, meeting people when you were getting a a, a coffee, a break, uh, a break in between workshops. They were the the times that you actually met people and that was the kind of networking. Uh, It was very natural.
1: The conference organizers do that on purpose. It's not that they love caffeine as much as you think we do. It's... And when you bump into people and you're at a conference, you're in friendly mode, too, and um, serendipity happens. That's what's difficult to replace in virtual conferences, although yeah. they're coming up with tricks to try. I, yeah. Lots of breakout rooms and things like that.
0: A lot of technical communicators need to convince their manager that a day at a mm-hmm. conference is a good idea have you got any tips for how to convince your manager that a day at a tech comm conference is good value for money for the business?
1: I'm ashamed to admit, I mean, because I work differently than somebody in a big company. It's not an issue that had come up for me and I hadn't. Um...
0: Yeah. When I moved into tech comms, I went freelance. So I've never had to go to a manager and ask if I can go to a conference, I just have a conversation with myself. <laughs> yeah. And say, Do I um, think this is useful? Do I think this is important?
1: It's a valid question and I think it's important to point people to the, the page on the website. Yes,
0: that's right. On the TCUK website, that is technical communication UK dot com, under resources I think, there's a convince your boss piece that gives you points that you can use if you need to justify attending a conference to
1: your manager it's really useful i think that it's important to be able to say to your boss that um you're keeping up with the trends yeah it's education and uh, they provide training
0: yeah i know at TCUK they often run workshops as well
1: yeah they do and i mean anything that you learn hands-on is great but also uh just learning about the the trends and who's working in the industry and what they're doing um, can make you more efficient at work. And yeah. I, that can save the company money too. Definitely. Of course,
0: CJ, you usually produce a list of conferences and events that are happening throughout the year. Will you be doing that for this year?
1: It's my company Firehead that does it. And yes, that's our intention. And normally we're starting to scramble to get things together about this time of year. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, we can scramble away, but everything is in such chaos. There isn't enough information that's confirmed right now to to be able to put a list together. Uh, everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. But what I can tell you is that we do publish a conference roundup every year, and it's on the FireHead blog. It's firehead.net. And that can give you a good idea of what's out there because we do them internationally for all content conferences. It's not limited to just tech comms. It's worth checking out.
0: Adobe and MagCap said that they will be running conferences and they've got dates for America for 2021. But um, I'm not sure whether that's just that the intention is there. But obviously, they have to wait and see what the situation is with COVID-19. So is there any online events that people can attend?
1: Yes, I know that, uh, well, the ISTC has a, a new format, and that's all online for now, and that's great. The STC Summit is still going on in May online. I attended a really lovely conference in October called Utterly Content. It's more content-focused than um, just tech comms.
0: Mm-hmm
1: and Maybe content strategy even, but I, I thought that it was very well done for its format. Omnichannel is online and is going on next year as well. I attended that in June. Yeah. And um, gosh, I have a whole list in my head, but I don't know for Adobe or for Madcap right now. Yeah. I, also, TC World has gone online. That's in November, so um, we still got a bit of a cycle ahead of us.
0: I was wondering if it was also possible to ask you about what you do as a technical communicator. Do you actually still get involved in day-to-day tech comms?
1: I would so love to do some more um, getting my hands in the pie. (laughs) I started out, well, I'm a linguist by training. Uh, Professionally, I was in tech comms for a long time. And um, then I started uh, a FireHead where we started by recruiting and it was in tech comms, but that quickly exploded into content strategy because my inner linguist was um, absolutely delighted with the way that was working and the content was um, a little bit sexier, let's be honest. (laughs) Um, Well, it wasn't restricted to just technical.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, Yeah.
1: And so setting a lot of that up meant doing a lot of practitioning, if that's a word as well. And over the years, explaining to clients why they need uh, to structure their content or a strategy behind their communications has meant that um, I have a pile of information to explain to people. And so I started doing training. Ah. And uh, during the pandemic, It wasn't a really great time to be in recruitment. So I focused on the training program. Yeah. In 2021, we'll be coming out with a a whole new learning center. We'll be running courses, and I've been able to write courses. They're not all from me. We've got some experts from all over the world, different content fields that I'm really excited about. So can you give us an example of some of the
0: courses that you run? Are they courses that content writers tech comms people would do or is it more from the management point of view about strategy or is it both?
1: It's both. We're trying to basically do as much as we can. Uh, I'm a real believer in tech comms and the necessity of it for clarity and so that does cross over into other areas of content and all of my Uh, structuring of content and everything comes from my linguistics but I see the field of tech comms as really muting it's going to change with uh, automation I'm very passionate about helping the field to move in that direction and so because we're fundamentally a recruitment company it's uh, our audience are candidates who are generally tech, have a tech comms background and want to skill up to go into to new areas or to bring their, their careers forward. Good. Excellent.
0: So you say you're a linguist. Do you speak s- several languages?
1: I, I speak seven languages, but seven. that's not what linguistics is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> linguistics is the science of language ah right and i'm a computational linguist so that's where it crosses over with the metadata and the classification and um, oh. and things like that but i've lived all over the world so i just speak a lot of languages wow and people ask me all the time I, when they find out i'm a linguist how many languages i speak so i spend a lot of time explaining that it's something different yes um, <laughs> a, a lot of linguists i know only speak one language surprisingly we compare and contrast languages a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's more about the structure, but, I mean, you could do the same thing with code.
0: You were talking about where communication goes with AI and mm-hmm. how what we produce is going to be delivered through AI. How how do you see that working?
1: It's going to be offered, not delivered. That's ah. one of our uh, key phrases, but... Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be interacting a lot more with automation, which um, realistically means, you know, uh, machines. And so just to put it very simply, uh, writing for that, it can't be a string of procedures that you give to a user I, where you're shouting out from a, a, a megaphone, do this, do this, do this. Yeah. It has to be an interaction. It has to be a conversation. And that's an entirely different way to design information.
0: Ah, at the moment where we have a task that needs to be completed and we give instructions, this is more thinking about a person is going to ask a question and there will be an answer. And then they will ask another question. And you almost have to imagine what that conversation is going to be and what that question is going to be about.
1: To use chatbots as an example, I mean, the first generation of interaction with chatbots was basically rules-based, where uh, the conversation designer would have to say, okay, what is the the user going to say? And then make a tree structure for the possible answers, and, um, you know, they they think that's linguistics and really complicated, and it's not. It gets messy, but... It didn't work very well. No. Most of those chatbots failed because it's not uh, – it's about the conversation designers' opinions of what could happen instead of a, a real interaction. And then the backup to that was, well, we can send you to a human if I – you know, it, it, it's supposed to save customer service costs. But there, were, uh, there was a lot of frustration with it, too. With AI, it parses a lot more information. I mean, big data. Yeah, and so there's a a lot more coming in to work from, and I'm really simplifying this, but um, you can also uh, teach the machine. So the biggest part of um, interaction is going to be training. Well, it's going to be structuring the data too, but I, that that's part of it. And um, those are um, new skills, but I yeah. think that uh, commerce are like perfectly suited to to that kind of thing it, it's an add-on to their skill set rather than retraining
0: i suppose that's where <laughs> linguistics comes in
1: well i hope so uh, our skills are suddenly in demand um, <laughs> yeah
0: it's actually how how do conversations work how do we communicate we'll finish it there uh, thank you very much cj for coming
1: thank you it was a delight to be here i really enjoyed talking to you.
0: That has been absolutely fascinating, learning about what you do at the ISTC and all about the conference arena and a bit about what you do in your working life. We might get you back on to talk more about AI and tech comms in the future.
1: Thank you, Amanda.
0: So if you are a regular conference attendee or have never attended an industry event, I hope this podcast has encouraged you to give events and conferences a try. This year, they may all be online, and as technical communicators, this may present an ideal opportunity to experience this form of communication, its advantages and its pitfalls. So, do some research, get your diary out, and get some events booked. Now, for a quick round-up of news from the ISTC. If you are a technical communicator working in the UK, we need you. The ISTC annual survey has opened and the closing date is the 28th of February 2021. Whether you are an information designer, content strategist, usability specialist or any job title working in technical communication, we want to hear from you. Completing the survey is important because the data you provide helps the ISTC keep a track of what is happening in our profession and support the technical communications industry. It's really quick, 25 questions. I've done it. It takes less than 10 minutes. If you're a member, you will have received an email link. If you're not a member and want to do the survey, just Google ISTC survey 2021 and then go to the Survey Monkey link. Communicator, the ISTC's quarterly journal, is out this month with a focus on standards. I enjoy a good ISO standard. I'm a bit nerdy like that. So far, I've read Margaretha Hopman's article about ISO 20607 concerning machinery instructions. It's amazing what you can learn. The journal also covers the UK Technical Communication Awards with articles from the award winners. And my favourite, A Day in the Life, takes a peek at the marine industry and follows tech author Will Evans' typical day working at Williams Jet Tenders based in Oxfordshire. This issue of the magazine has had a makeover and editor Catherine Judge would love to hear what you think. So email her at commissioning.editor at istc.org.uk with your comments. That's it for this month. Join me again next month when Chris Knowles, owner and technical documentation consultant at DocMate, will be telling us all about technical communication in the oil and gas industry. If you have a question for Chris or about the podcast, email me at istc at istc.org.uk. Remember to email Catherine Judge your feedback on the New Look Communicator and fill in the annual survey. The closing date is the 28th of Feb. I want to thank CJ Walker for being my first interviewee and thanks to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe and share. You can find out more about the ISTC, the Institute for Scientific and Technical Communicators, at istc.org.uk or just search ISTC on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. A new episode of this podcast is released on the last Friday of every month. See you next month. Goodbye.